Get your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're in a series called the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit. And we have been talking about the Holy Spirit. I want to give a shout out to Pastor Jadev on a great message last week about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and not stopping short of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And really, that's my encouragement really to our church is, man, there is a fullness of God that we experience through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say that again because I think it's very theologically correct. There is a fullness of God that we experience through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that is what I don't want us to miss out on. Are, are, you, are you tracking with me? And, and I want us to be comfortable with the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And there's three Ps. If you're a preacher, I just gave you a great sermon. Um, I'm anointed. I don't know. Anyways, but um, <laughs> no, I actually preached that one time. Uh, so I did not just make that up. But anyways, um, but I want our church and, and, and I want our church to experience the fullness of God. How many, how many just like, hey, I want all that God has for me. I, I think that's how you have to posture yourself as a church. And I want to be careful that we don't limit God and, and what he has for us based on maybe some misconceptions about him, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit, misconceptions about the Holy Spirit, or misconceptions about a group of people that were people of the Spirit. And so we have now in some ways stereotyped the Spirit by the people instead of just maybe the people needing to be stereotyped. Are, are you with me? And, and not that they're bad people, but I'm just saying you understand different strokes for different folks. Amen. You know what I mean? It's just, we all have a way that we relate to God and there are certainly different denominations and genres and all those things. But I just want us to be a people that, that our church rather, that we, that we, we love God and we trust God. And what we know is the Holy Spirit is a promise and he is a gift to us and only good gifts come from God. And if God has promised the Holy Spirit and God has given the Holy Spirit, then we can trust that the Holy Spirit is not bad, but very good, right? And so we're talking about that today. And today I actually want to talk about uh, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. And we've covered a lot uh, in this series, but I wanted to cover a lot. But today I want to talk about spiritual gifts. And so that's why we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So what's going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Well, you've heard me tell the story before, but essentially Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. That letter has been lost. It is not represented in the, in the canonization of scripture or the Bible as we know it. Um, and then the, the Corinthians write back to Paul, and they had really six issues or questions. So in 1 Corinthians, if you're reading it, you'll see something. Uh, the, one of the versions that I read says, now concerning. Um, and it will say that six different times um, throughout 1 Corinthians because Paul is responding to these questions 
uh, or issues that the church at Corinth, which he had planted years prior, that they have. And so we're going to see that here in 1 Corinthians 12 because they had some questions about not just uh, spiritual gifts, but how they work in the church because that is also, it's very different. Different churches, you see different things. Certainly understand that. So we have Paul's writings on that. So we're going to dive in today, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to read several verses because I want you to have all of these verses um, in, in the appropriate context uh, before we talk about it together. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 4, he says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences, differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are dif- diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So he just wants us to all understand God is the source of these things. There is only one source, and we don't want to go to another source, right? So, I, and I don't have time to talk about it, but and you can even see it in the Bible, like where King Saul consults a median instead of consulting God, right? And so in our culture today, there are people that consult spiritual things, but he's saying, no, there's a Lord and there's a spirit. That's where we go. We, we don't go to psychics or people who give us readings because that is a spirit, but it is not the spirit, right? So... There you go. Um, And so, verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Everybody say, each one. And then everybody say, for the profit of all. Right. Four to one. And here he's going to list the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, or from the Holy Spirit, okay? Four to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. All right? So there again, in this series, I've said this before, but if it's in the Bible, we ought to try to understand what we can understand about it. Are you with me? There's no gold medal for ignorance in the kingdom of God. Right? And, and I don't mean that to be like cutting in any way. I'm just saying I have met believers who will say concerning different things, well, I don't understand. And it's like, because I don't understand, that's the end of it. And, and I want you to understand that there's no gold medal for not understanding. That the provision and the power of the kingdom of God comes by understanding what we can understand about God and his kingdom. Does that make sense? And so no gold medals for not understanding, right? And so if it's in the Bible, we need to understand. So I want to talk about this today. So I call this message the gift giver, the gift giver. I just want to say this before we pray. Uh, Does anyone, is there anyone that you are just completely um, offended when someone gives you a gift? 
Like how the audacity to give me something free. Right? Very few. Like I saw no hands. This may be the first time I did a survey and got 100% participation. You know what I'm saying? But I saw no hands because most of the time if someone wants to give us something, we, we want to receive the gift. My, my grandfather, I was telling a friend of mine the other day, my grandfather had all these phrases. And so I'm, I'm not very old, but I've got some old school in me. You understand? Like when I stand up here, it's not just Marty standing up here. Like H.B. Byram is up here. Now y'all know H.B. Byram, but that's pop, Right? Uh, my dad's up here. I mean, there's, there's just people that are up here that are in me. They made deposits. But H.B. Byron was one of them. He was a pastor. And, uh, but he used to say, he'd say, now I never, it took me forever to understand this, but he would say, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Now, some of you, you all understand that phrase. That When I shared it with a friend of mine, they, they were like, I don't understand that phrase. And I said, well, let me explain, because I finally figured it out. Um because when you want to check the health of a horse, I didn't know this, you look at their teeth. And what he was saying, if someone's going to give you a free horse, don't offend them by opening its mouth, start checking its teeth to see how healthy it is. It's a free horse. At the very least, it could be free glue. I'm just kidding. He never said that. And I don't believe that. Right? And if you're from PETA, 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 whoever, if you're from PETA, don't, don't call. I didn't say it. I didn't mean it. Sometimes there's just, unfortunately, my personality sees a great opportunity for a punchline, and sometimes I just can't bite my tongue. I just, that was just too much fun. So no, that's, we would never do that. Long live Mr. Ed, okay? Um, we want Biscuit to live a long, retired life out in the pasture or whatever. Anyways, the point is, um, if someone gives you a gift, you receive it with gratitude. And, and today I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to be able just to receive the gift from the Holy Spirit, to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's pray now. Lord Jesus, we got to clean this one up, don't we? Um, God, I just thank you so much for your word and your grace and your goodness. And Holy Spirit, you're here and you are the gift giver. And you only, you're a good gift and you only give good gifts. And so, God, we just want to receive from you. So as we, as we open your word today, the word of God, Holy Spirit, help us understand all we can understand. Give us clarity. Don't let us miss anything. And most importantly, God, we expect to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Now, uh, as I said, now concerning. So when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning... We see that six times. I told you that's because they had questions and he's answering those questions. Uh, and then it gets to this word spiritual. Um, and that word in the Greek, now concerning spiritual gifts, so spiritual, that word in the Greek is uh, pneumaticos. pneumaticos. Um, most people are guys, you probably understand pneumatic drills, right? So are, you know, those are tools or that's a drill that's powered by air, Right? And so um, it's the same context here. He's saying pneumaticos. Well, these are abilities that are empowered by the breath of God. So, so when he's saying now concerning spiritual gifts, he is not talking about natural abilities. Because we have natural abilities. There are people in this room, you're naturally gifted. And it may be I'm gifted in mathematics or I'm gifted with mechanical things or I'm, you know, gifted with spreadsheets. I don't know. Spreadsheets drive me nuts. But some people love spreadsheets. How many know there's always that person, right? We have them in our office as well. We have some people in our office that love spreadsheets. And you know what? I'm so glad they love spreadsheets because I do not love spreadsheets. 
you, you will never find me in my spare time like, I'm going to build a spreadsheet for this. No, no, no. I mean, if it comes down between building a spreadsheet or pulling my toenails out with pliers, I might take the toenails out with pliers. You know, I just, anyways, I'm glad there, but there, there are people with natural abilities and, but I want you to understand when we're talking about people with natural abilities, that is not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about natural abilities. He's saying there are abilities that are empowered or, or that we receive only by the breath of God. Pneuma means breath. And so we're talking about pneumaticos, so we're talking about spiritual abilities. So he's saying there are some abilities that you don't have unless you have the breath of God. And there are abilities that when the Holy Spirit breathes on you and breathes in you, he enables you to do things that you could not do without him. And so he's saying, when we, so this first thing I want you to understand, when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're not talking about just someone that's a good leader. We're talking about what the Bible might even call an anointing of the Holy Spirit or an empowering of the Holy Spirit. But Paul puts it this way. It's an ability that you receive when the Holy Spirit breathes. Pneumatico. So, so now concerning spiritual. And then I want to get to this. Gifts. Gifts. This word is charismata in the Greek. Charismata. And most of you have heard, you know, in, in Christianum, in, in the world of church, uh, there's a, a, a group of people that are charismatic, right? Um, and this is where it comes from. That group is typically more, a little more focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So they're not charismatic because they maybe wave a streamer or something like that, you know, and I'm not against anybody's worship of the Lord, all right? Uh, we don't do streamers here because I have ADD, and uh, that's really the main reason, and, uh, and I, I, it would distract me, and somebody would get hit by one, and I would just be a mess. But if you want to do streamers at home, I go for it, like, amen, right? You know, just get after it, and you and the Lord have a good time, um, but, you know, in, when it comes to the house of God, our typical, I, I'm kind of being facetious a little bit, but our typical, the way we worship God, we always say, my freedom to worship ends when it inhibits someone else's worship. So I, and, and when we come to a gathering, we are free to worship God until it becomes a distraction away from God or inhibits someone else from worshiping God. And so that, that kind of provides us some guidelines, which in a way is what Paul is talking about uh, with Corinthians. But charismata, which is where, they get charis where you get charismatic, that, that's two words put together, mata and charis. Charis means grace. In fact, some people uh, I know have named their, their daughter charis. Uh, it's a beautiful name, uh, but it means grace. Mata means gift. So charismata actually means grace, gift. What, what I want you to understand about that is that's really good information and good news for us to have, but it's also, there's a redundancy in it because grace is given and a gift is grace. And it's almost like grace, grace or gift, gift. Do, do you see what I'm saying? And, and, but, I, but I want to make this point and, and it's not the point in my message yet, but I want you to understand this. When we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're not talking about things we earn. And we're not talking about uh, statuses we achieve. Like, I'm going to work myself to the office of a prophet and prophesy. No, you don't, you don't have to do that. Because every gift of the Holy Spirit is by the grace of God. Meaning it is undeserved. 
So when Paul says now concerning spiritual gifts, here's what he's saying. Now concerning supernatural abilities that come through the breath of God that are given to each one without, without them deserving it. Without them earning it. Because I think some people, when we talk about spiritual gifts, they'll say, well, I, you know, I'm just not, I'm not to that level. There is no level. I, well, I'm not good enough. No one's good enough, right? Well, I'm, I haven't walked with Jesus long enough. There's no time for him. So what I wanted to say is before we go any further and we talk about these gifts, I want you to understand that if you're a believer in Jesus, you can operate in spiritual gifts. Even 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, desire spiritual gifts. It is not wrong to desire spiritual gifts. Now we want to remember the motivation is to profit all, not to profit me. Right? But we want to desire spiritual gifts because it benefits people around us. And so I want you to understand spiritual gifts are not things we achieve. They're things we receive. We receive them as they come from God, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Now, there's another good point that I need to make here because this will probably save some people too. If it's a spiritual gift, remember I said spiritual gift means that it's just given. You don't earn it. It's not about time served. It's not about gold stars. It's, it's a gift of grace, which means, let me just say this. So to operate in spiritual gifts, what do I really need? Faith. Right? Why? Because it's grace. And grace only works when faith is applied. That's probably one of the best principles. You should have written that down, gotten excited, thrown your shoe at me, something. Right there. I mean, y'all never been to those churches where they throw shoes. Oh, yeah, that's a whole thing. Anyways, um, and it's a good thing, not, not a bad thing. Yeah, some of you are looking at me like, what? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in church. But anyways, um, but I just want you to understand that Grace, listen to me very carefully. Grace will not benefit you until you apply faith. It doesn't matter what Jesus has provided until you believe it. It doesn't change your life. How are we saved? By grace, what? Through faith. So how do we operate in spiritual gifts? By grace. They're all grace gifts. But what do I have to do? I have to have faith. So as long as I disqualify myself and say, well, I'm not good enough. I haven't served God long enough. I don't understand enough. I'm, you know, whatever the case may be, then I have no faith and I won't see those gifts in my life. Are you with me? But if you left here today saying, well, if they're free for everyone, I believe God could do these things in my life. You'll probably start seeing things. Are, are you with me? Now, let me say one other, and this is a caution. Spiritual gifts... <laughs> are not a sign of spiritual maturity. Are you with me? And that's good news, and it can be something we need to caution you about, okay? The good news is, I don't get a spiritual gift when I've served a certain amount of time, read enough of the Bible, prayed enough. No, I can receive spiritual gifts by grace through faith, right? The other side of that is sometimes in the church, we've seen people who have spiritual gifts and assumed because they had spiritual gifts that they were spiritually mature, Gifts are given, fruit is grown. And let me tell you something, when it comes to receiving from someone a spiritual gift, 
Usually what we are looking for is fruit because the fruit validates the gift. Are are you with me? And so I, I just want you to understand that if you have spiritual gifts, that's wonderful. But one of the things that I struggled with growing up was I was in a, in a church where there were people that exercised or demonstrated a lot of spiritual gifts. And I believe, well, those people were mature because they had gifts. And then I was hurt by their behaviors and actions when they were less than mature. And it took me a while to realize that spiritual gifts and spiritual maturity are not the same thing, Right? I can give my, well, I can't, but theoretically, I could give my child a Ferrari. I could give one of my teenagers a Ferrari. That doesn't mean they're mature enough to drive it. Are are you with me? And so I just want you to understand, we want to desire spiritual gifts. I also would like to give a little plug here. We also want to desire spiritual fruit. Right? We We want to mature in the things of God. We want to grow in grace. That's what Peter said, right? I want to grow in the grace of Jesus. I want to grow in the knowledge of God. These are all in your Bible. These are statements made. So, so I just want to make that point that there are gifts and there are fruit. And we need to pursue both, right? Are you, oh, this, this is a good talk so far. Um, and so, and then I want to say this, that, that everyone would profit for the profit of all. Like, I, I just want to say this. Everyone gets better. Think about that. He said, here's what, spiritual gifts make everything better, make everyone better. Let me say another one. Spiritual gifts benefit the whole church. So if you, if you have a church, and I'm not saying there are some, theoretically there could be, but if you have a church that says, no, we don't believe in the gifts, once you understand, they're, they're limiting, kind of like what Pastor Jada was saying last week about walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They're limiting what we can experience from God Because these are in the Bible and they're given to what? Benefit everybody. Benefit everybody. So that's that's why we we need to talk about um, spiritual gifts. And that's why Paul said, I do not want you to be ignorant. Or I don't don't want you to to not understand. I know that's a double negative, but I know ignorant can sound harsh to us. So he's like, I don't want you to, to not understand. I want you, you know, you can put it in the positive. I want you to understand, or better yet, this is what he said. You need to understand spiritual gifts. That's, that's, I mean, you say it that way. You need to understand spiritual gifts. The reason I'm teaching this today is you need to understand spiritual gifts. We as a church need to understand. And here's why. Think about it. Spiritual gifts are supernatural empowerments of the Holy Spirit. If we don't understand spiritual gifts, we are limited to the natural abilities that we have. And we are trying to do God's work and God's purpose and God's calling with natural abilities. When God said, no, I've given you supernatural abilities because I've given you a supernatural calling. Are, Are you with me? So when it comes to spiritual gifts, I I don't, there's so much could teach and and I'm going to have to kind of go fast because that was all introduction. (laughs) But when it comes to spiritual gifts, um, when you look at your Bible, to me, there are three categories in your Bible. Romans 12 is what I call the motivational gifts. Um, And that has serving and leadership and hospitality and giving, right? Those are motivational gifts. Ephesians 4 are ministerial gifts. 
So this, and those are from Jesus because it says, and he gave some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. So he gave five ministerial gifts, right? And so those are, those are callings that rest on people um, uh, who, who lead and who serve in the church. So like our staff, those are ministerial gifts. It, it doesn't mean if you're not on staff that you couldn't have a ministerial gift. That's not what I'm saying, right? But I'm just saying it's, it's a good way to kind of make it make sense. Um, so there are ministerial gifts. Those are five, and those are gifts from Jesus. I just want to say, our, our staff, our pastors, our staff, they're a gift to you. They're a gift to you. Receive from them, right? Um, and then 1 Corinthians 12, these are manif- manifestational gifts or manif- manifestation gifts. Um, and so there's the motivational gifts, uh, ministerial gifts, and manifestation gifts. And so the manifestation gifts, there are nine. If you were counting when we read, there are nine. Um, it works really well because with nine, you can break it into a three-point sermon and have three gifts per each point. So if you like math and you like putting together good outlines, praise the Lord. <laughs> Look at how the Holy Spirit did this for us. And so these are my three points. Usually when we, when we talk about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, you kind of break them into kind of three subcategories. And so that's what I want to talk about. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, you should just write this down because it'll help you. Um, but number one, the first category we're talking about are, are the perceiving gifts or you could say the discerning gifts. So I gave you D's and P's. So depending on how you feel, they're all going to be D's or they're all going to be P's. I just put them both in there. So whether you're feeling more D or P, you can pick, all right? So uh, discerning gifts, or you could say perceiving gifts. Discerning gifts, I just, I'm an overachiever, okay? Discerning gifts are, are perceiving gifts. Um, the first one I want to talk about here is the, what, what Paul just called the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a divine answer or a solution for a particular situation. So it's, it really is what it is. It's where God speaks to us or maybe through another person, a word of wisdom, meaning he gives us wisdom that comes from him. Uh, you can see this in Scripture. In, in Acts chapter 10, there's a, uh, a Roman officer named Cornelius, and he's seeking the Lord, and he's kind of hit a, a wall. Like he doesn't know what to do or where to go with his faith, essentially. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him, and he doesn't tell him, receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't tell, the Holy Spirit didn't even talk to him about Jesus. The Holy Spirit said, you need to get Peter. It was a word of wisdom. It's like, I don't know what to do. God, what do I do? Call for a man named Peter. And so Cornelius sends people because it gives him wisdom to say, hey, there's a guy named Peter and he's down there at Simon the Tanner's house, you know, but go, go call him and he'll come. And so God didn't actually tell him the answer. God told him how to get the answer, right? And so this was a word of wisdom. You can see it in John chapter nine. This is a good one. Jesus messes around and heals a blind man on the Sabbath. And that's not allowed in Jewish culture, right? Because he worked on the Sabbath. Who would ever thought doing a miracle was work? Isn't that something that they would categorize it that way? Um, Aren't you glad God's never like, you know, I'm off today. (laughs) Yeah, I would heal, but I'm off today. I don't want to (laughs) work. Anyways, um, and it creates an uproar because it was on the Sabbath and because Jesus did it. And so now they're questioning the man's parents. They're questioning the man. And so they're making this big fuss and they're saying, this man's not from God. And this, this blind man who, who, who didn't really, I mean, he's not a theologian. He was a blind man, meaning he probably wasn't educated and he was a beggar. 
And he says, if he wasn't from God, how did he do these miracles? The only way to do these miracles is he had to be from God. And with that, they really didn't have a response. That kind of ends the argument. And you think about that. That was a word of wisdom, right? That was a word of wisdom that operated through this man where he said, well, let me ask you a question. If he's not God, how does he do the works of God? Or if he's not from God, how does he do the works of God? Because they were trying to make Jesus, you know, the bad guy. And, and they get mad at him, but they really can't answer the question. It was a word of wisdom. And, and I want you to understand that we, we need this today because there are times, how many have ever encountered a situation where you're like, I don't know what to do. Wouldn't it be great if an all-knowing God by the power of the Holy Spirit gave us wisdom that we didn't have to help us understand what to do when we didn't know what to do? Wouldn't that be fantastic? And so I'm telling you, that, that is a gift. And a lot of times this gift will work through. There's been uh, situations in my life where I didn't know what to do. And, and I would encounter someone and they didn't even know what I was up against, but they would just give me a word. And in that I'd be like, wow, God, that's exactly what I need to do. That's exactly what I need to do. So word of wisdom. Here's the second thing. Um, word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge is to know something specific without having learned it naturally. To know something specific without having learned it naturally. In other words, it's something you know. How many know knowledge is achieved? Right? You just don't, you're not born knowing. You have to go to school. You have to read. You have to study. You have to observe. So knowledge is achieved. We're talking about knowledge that's received. Are you with me? So this is supernatural. This comes from God. In other words, all of a sudden, I know something only God, the all-knowing God could know, but I know it, but I didn't learn it. I didn't achieve it. I just received it, right? Um, you can see this at, with Jesus at the woman at the well. And let me just call time out because I'll give some, some examples from Jesus. And I want to make sure that you understand something theologically, and that is the humanity of Jesus, the humanity of Christ. Because if, if we were in Bible school and we're not... Um, we would, in fact, I'm looking now at more discipleship curriculum because one of the greatest things you've responded at our Easter survey was you want to understand the scripture better, uh, which as a pastor, I'm like, it's revival. That was the number one response to the survey is we want to understand the Bible better. And what I realized is while I love life groups and we're going to launch life groups and I want you in a life group, I realized there's a benefit to just being taught what the Word of God says. And I'm afraid in our church culture, and I'll be the first to own it even in our church, that hasn't happened enough. So I'm now working on a discipleship path that will just teach you the Word of God and teach you the deity and the humanity of Christ because you need to understand. And, um, but the deity of Christ means Jesus was God. The humanity means he laid aside all of, his, all of the rights of a deity, right? This is Philippians 2 where it said he made himself of no reputation. And even though he was equal with God, he laid it all down and took on the form of a servant. Took on the, right? And, and so I want you to understand that when Jesus walked on the earth, the way Jesus did ministry was at 100% as a man anointed and empowered by the breath of God. He didn't do the miracles as God. He did the miracles as man. Are you with me? On the earth, he wasn't all-knowing. He wasn't all-powerful. He wasn't all-ever-present, right? He was limited by flesh. That was the form. Philippians made this clear, but there are other scriptures. That was the form he took. So everything he did was as a man. I want you to understand, Jesus was the most normal New Testament Christian in the Bible. Because think about it, if he was God, I'm impressed, but it doesn't mean anything for me. 
But if he was man, he is showing me an example that calls me to live a life of faith in expectation that these are the things God does when men are submitted to him and full of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So you need to understand it. So in John chapter four, Jesus, there's this woman we all know comes to the well, the woman at the well in, in the heat of the day, right? In the middle of the day. And she's talking with Jesus. They have a conversation. Jesus says, oh yeah, I know. She, he says, go call your husband. And she said, well, I'm not married. He said, I know you're not married. You've been married four times and now you're living with someone that you're not married to. And she's like, oh my God, how'd you know that? All right. He didn't, he didn't find that out on Instagram. No, he knew that by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge because that gave him an immediate open door to preach the gospel and watch God transform her life and watch her become an evangelist, right? So that, that remember how we said it profits all? Look at what happened. He has a word of, of knowledge and then all of a sudden she's able to receive him as a prophet. She said, must be a prophet. And he's like, I'm more than that. But anyways, we'll start there. But it transforms her life and God does a work in her life, right? I remember um, years ago, I was serving at a church. I was an associate pastor at a church. <clears throat> I'll never forget this. Uh, how many know what it's like to have zeal before you have wisdom? Yes. Praise the Lord. Um, and so um, I was full of zeal and uh, someday I'll have some wisdom. And, uh, but we were, we, like, like we do here, we end the service and we had time of prayer and there was a couple, uh, they were business owners, and they came forward for prayer. And, and I knew the couple, but I didn't know anything about their business. And they, and they didn't tell me. They just said, would you just pray for us and our business? Well, that could be, hey, we got a really important meeting, or God just really blessed us, and we're just not sure what to do. Or it could mean there's a problem. They didn't say. So I just started praying for them and over their business. And before I could think, because had I thought, I wouldn't have said what I said. And I just was praying and I said, you're going to get a phone call at 9 a.m. in the morning and everything's going to work out. And they just started crying. And I'm like, well, it must have been the Lord, either that or it was really bad. I don't know what it was. It could have been the bacon. It could have been the Lord. In just a moment, they said, Pastor, you just don't understand what this word means to us because we're on the verge of, of a bankruptcy or a bad situation. I don't remember what it was, financial problem in our business. And uh, they said, we need a miracle. So we prayed again. And then they were so excited and encouraged. They said, Pastor, this is wonderful. And since you told us that there's going to be a phone call at 9 a.m. in the morning, would you come to our office at 845 so that you're there when the phone call arrives? Now I'm like... Yeah. I had to tell the senior pastor, this couple is probably leaving the church tomorrow. And no, I'm just kidding. And uh, man, you talk about stress. I want I to tell you what it did. It immediately increased my prayer, night, my prayer life because all night long, I'm like, Jesus, that phone's got to ring, Lord. 9 a.m., Jesus. Jesus. Get there at, at uh, 8.45 and I was with the husband and he ran the business. His wife did the accounting. And, um, and so he was like, let me show you around the, the business. So we're walking around the business. And I'm like, I don't know what he said about the business because I'm watching my clock. Like, Jesus. 
901. Oh, Jesus. About five minutes later, a few minutes after nine, his wife comes into the back shop where we were, and she's just bawling. And uh, he said, what is it? And she said, I just got a phone call from our CPA. There was an $80,000 mistake, and we're getting an $80,000 check from the government. That's two miracles. I've never been more relieved in my whole life. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so that's a word of knowledge. When you get information, you know something's going to happen or you know something that you couldn't have learned, you had to receive it, word of knowledge. Here's, here's the next one, Dis- discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. Now, I want to I make this point real quick because there's a lot of confusion, I feel like. <clears throat> Notice that it's discerning of spirits. I want to say this because you need to hear this. There is no gift of discernment in the Bible. Now, look at me. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't elbow anybody. Because <laughs> some people are tired of people with a gift of discernment. Because many times a gift of discernment is how we try to spiritually cloak a critical spirit. Like I said, just look at me. <laughs> Pretend like you have no clue what I'm talking about. I'm just saying I've encountered as a pastor a lot of people, well, you know I have a gift of discernment. No, you don't because there's not one. Amen. There's a gift of discerning of spirits. There's not a gift of discernment. And, and I will say most of the time, I'll say it again lovingly, but most of the time when I've seen people that say I have a gift of discernment, really they're just trying to put Jesus on a critical spirit because what they're saying is, well, I can make a judgment about their motives or a judgment about what they're doing. You know, I, and this is where I always say, you know, kind of like raising my, my kids, you know, because if you ever raise kids, sometimes one kid will come to you to tell you what the other kid did. I know that probably never happened to y'all, but it happened a few times at the straight house. And I would always say, you know, why don't you focus on you let me worry about them because there's enough to keep you busy with just focusing on you. And sometimes that's a good word for everybody, right? You know, I can't do all things, but I can mind my own business. You know, and, and so anyways, <laughs> praise the Lord. We're just freedom in the house today. Freedom in the house. So let's talk about the gift of discernment, the gift of, of discerning of spirits, the gift of discerning of spirits. This is to be made aware of 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 a demonic spirit or power that's coming against you, right? So um, how many know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality? But many times we make the mistake of wrestling with people. And husbands and wives wrestle, and not in a life-giving way, but in a bad way. <laughs> Y'all be nice. And sometimes we're wrestling with a boss or, you know, and, and what I mean is we're fighting with the people and we think, but what, but, but the gift of discerning of spirits is to help me understand that the enemy is at work and sometimes the enemy's at work and it looks like it may be coming through a person, but I need to know there's, there's a spirit behind that. And here's the good thing. I don't have authority over the person, but I have authority over the spirit. 
In fact, you can see this in Acts chapter 15. Remember, Jesus, let me just clarify that with Scripture. Jesus said, all authority I've given to you. And he said, you have the power over all the authority, tread on serpents and take up scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you need to understand, if it's a devil coming after you, you have authority over the devil. I want you to understand you have authority over the devil. That's the Bible, right? You don't have to take it. And so we need to know when, when the enemy is coming against us, when it's a demonic power. And if you don't like the word demonic because you've scarred for life, because way, just call it the power of the enemy. I, you pick your vernacular, it's all the same thing. The Bible makes it very clear there are demons. I don't know what you do with that. They're in there and they're still active, you know. But if that bothers you, just say the power of the enemy. It doesn't matter. Whatever makes you happy. Potato, potato. But the point is... You have power over that. And you can actually see this in Acts chapter 16. Paul encounters a woman and she's following him and saying, these are servants of the Most High God. Now here's the thing. What she was saying was right, but it was the wrong spirit. You need to understand that sometimes a devil will get close to you by telling you the right thing. Sometimes the way the enemy will get in your house is start by telling you the right thing. I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone get close to someone by telling them the right thing and then end up affects their marriage or their family or their business. And really it wasn't the person, it was the enemy. But sometimes the way the enemy cozies up to us is by telling us the right thing, but it's the wrong spirit. Amen. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've had people that wanted to get close to me or wanted to be friends with me. And, and I'm all for being friends and being close. But I knew their spirits, something's not right about their spirit. And, and while I'm not against the person, I need to pray about whatever's going on here spiritually because this, they're saying all the right things, but it doesn't feel right. How many know this is a gift we need? Because I need to know if, if the enemy is working against my family. I don't need to fight with my kid. I don't need to fight with my boss. I don't need to fight with my wife or my husband or whatever the case. I need to know if the enemy's at work. I don't have authority over the person, but I have authority over the enemy. And this is what the, the discerning of spirits is. It's a gift to help me understand when the enemy is coming against my family or my business or ministry or whatever the case may be. This is a gift that we know where we know, oh, wow, this, this, some, the enemy is somewhere at work here. And I'm not wrestling with people, but there's an enemy at work. Yeah. Are you with me? So, so those are the discerning gifts. Number two, the de declarative gifts. So these are proclaiming. So declarative are proclaiming gifts. Um, the first one is the word of prophecy. So word of prophecy is a message of encouragement from God through a person to a person or person. So it's just when someone gives a message from the Lord and, and we don't, listen, this can be very simple. It doesn't have to have organs and tambourines and, and you don't have to, you know, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to in any way speak against anyone, but I'm just saying it, prophecy doesn't have to be mysterious to be effective. And none of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are kooky. Amen. There are kooky people who have gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? So I'm just saying, like, you know, I never forget one day. This is no lie. Uh, uh, it's about two, a year and a half ago. year ago, year and a half ago. I was, um, just to show you how simple this is. Uh, we were at prayer, and it's a prayer experience, and I was praying. And I, the day before, I'd had a, a prayer time with the Lord, and, and there was things going on, and, and, and I was just crying out to the Lord. 
And, and the Lord gave me the promise from Scripture. I, I will give you the desires of your heart. And I knew the Lord had spoken that to me. And I was praying about something specific. Um, and, but I knew it was the Lord. And, and I just left from there thinking that was the Lord. And really honestly. And, and so then the next day at prayer, at the end of experience, one of our, uh, she's very faithful in prayer. One of the, she's part of our church, very faithful in prayer, usually at just about every prayer experience. And I know her pretty well. And uh, after the experience was over, I was standing, I remember I was standing right back there and she just came up to me real t- sweetly, I guess you would say. And she said, pastor, I just, I just need to give you a word. I said, well, go ahead, you know, <laughs> like knock it out. And she said, God's going to give you the desires of your heart. And she said, that's it. And she woke up <laughs> and, and I knew then I'm like, this is God talking. Right. And, and to me, it's prophecy because it's what God's saying. It's a word from the Lord. And I want you to understand, it doesn't have to be gloom and doom. It doesn't have to be overly dramatic. She wasn't dramatic at all. She just said, the Lord's going to give you the desires of your heart. Have a good day. <laughs> right? In fact, I want you to understand this about prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. I want, to see, I want you to see that. He who prophesies, what does he speak? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification is to build up. Exhortation is to encourage, right? Um, and, and comfort is to console. I want you to understand there's no place for criticism or judgmentalism, right? That's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is not where I make a divine judgment against someone, right? And we need to be very careful. Listen to me, very careful. You need to be very careful when you're putting a the Lord says on anything. Because the last thing you want to do is tell somebody that God said something he didn't say. But I do want you to understand the Lord does say some things. And if God can speak to me and God can speak to you, sometimes it's hard to hear God when there's a lot of emotion involved. Sometimes it's hard to hear God when we're tired. Sometimes God wants to, like in my situation, God wanted to speak the same thing through another person just to confirm, hey, that was really me and that's really what I'm going to do. But I want you to understand God speaks to build us up, to cheer us on, and to console us not to make judgments and not to tear down. Are, are you with me? And wouldn't that, remember how it profits all? Wouldn't that be a great church to go to where somebody's walking up and saying, man, I got a word of wisdom. This is what the Lord says. I got a word of knowledge. This is what the Lord says. Hey, I got a word from the Lord for you. Man, God is working on your behalf today. And here's a verse for you. Wouldn't that be a great church? Right? And that's the kind of church we want to be. So word of prophecy, then there's tongues. I'm not going to spend as much time on tongues because I did a whole message on it. But this is a message from God in a language that's unknown to the person through whom the message comes. So it's a message from God in a language that is unknown by the person who's actually speaking the language, right? Um, In this context, and I talked about this in two weeks ago uh, in a message called The Mystery of Tongues. In this context, this one is used more in a gathering, but only if it is interpreted, right? Only if it is interpreted um, because when it is interpreted, let me just say this, when it is interpreted, and please know it's interpreted, not, not translated. And, and the reason is because I've heard people that have seen this and they say, well, this person gave a message in tongues that seemed really short and this person talked for 10 minutes about it. Something's wrong. Well, it's an interpretation, 
right? Not a word for word translation, right? In other words, it's the thought intent of the message, right? Like I remember uh, when my kids were little, uh, Mariah came to live with us or we, we brought her home. And uh, she was about eight months old and her language in Korea had started developing. So she had already like Opa and Oma and some Korean words. And then all of a sudden these white folks showed up and, and, <laughs> and took her back to Texas, y'all. And, uh, and so, you know, so it took her a little while to catch up. And so she'd be sitting there and, um, and I didn't always understand her. She and Luke bonded really quickly. And, uh, and I didn't always understand her. And we'd be sitting at the table and she'd be, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. And looks like she wants milk. <laughs> How do you know that she just wants milk? Well, she'd talk for three minutes and make sounds and stuff, but milk. And sure enough, I'd give her some more milk. She's fine. And so I'm just saying, Mariah had the gift of tongues and Luke had the gift of interpretation. <laughs> and that's my parenting style. And so anyways, um, but I want you to understand that, it, that this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. And some people have made, made less of, or, or kind of tried to minimize this. But I just want to show you 1 Corinthians 14, 5. It said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. We talked about that. But even more that you prophesy, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. And a lot of people say, see, it's, it's tongues, is, they minimize it. It's greater if you prophesy. You shouldn't speak in tongues. But I want you to see that's not the end of the sentence. He says, he's greater with tongues, or he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless... You see that? Unless indeed the word speaking with tongues interprets that the church receives edification. What is prophecy? Edification. Do you see what I'm saying? So Paul said, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying it has to be interpreted. Otherwise, it, it should be private. But we're talking about a public right, gift instead of a private grace. The public gift has to be interpreted. And when it's interpreted, it benefits everybody. Do, do you see this? Now, I, I want to say, let me give you one more thing because I get this question because people say, well, Pastor, we don't see this a lot on Sunday mornings. And that's true. You don't. Let me explain why. 1 Corinthians 14, 23, Paul says, if there, therefore the whole church comes together, what's well, Sunday morning? The whole church comes together and all speak with tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you're all out of your minds? So, so we, as, as an eldership, as we've led the church, we have to decide how do we administrate? It's the same problem the Corinthians are having. How do we administrate the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And, and what we've had to say is, well, on a Sunday morning, what we know is we typically have people that don't believe or they don't know about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have people that have never encountered that. And so, no, this is not something that we put on center stage on Sunday mornings because that's the way we read 1 Corinthians 14, right? I'm not saying I'm perfect or I'm right. I'm saying this is our interpretation of how we exercise these things in a public situation. Um, but if you think about it, we have words of prophecy almost every Sunday. We just don't call them words of prophecy. Today, the word of the Lord that was for the edification, exhortation, and comfort was increase your expectation. Did you catch it? Right? So typically, whether it's me or another pastor or minister, we always want to have a word that is now from the Lord 
And typically we put that towards the end of worship and we pray over it. And it is prophetic in nature, meaning as a now word, it's what the Lord is saying in the moment to us. But we just don't play an organ and, you know, say, ooh, I have a word, I'm going to prophesy over you. We don't do that. Not that that's bad or wrong, but we want, here's the thing. How many know you can have good food, but if it's packaged in a way that people are scared of it, they don't eat it. So to me, I'm like, well, I want a word from the Lord, but I want one that no matter what their background, they'd be like, okay, I receive that because it's the way that it came to me. Are you with me? So, so uh, tongues and then interpretation of tongues. And then last, let me share this really quickly. The dynamic gifts are the power gifts. Dynamic gifts are power gifts. And so let me give you these three really quickly. Number one, faith. So there is, we all have faith, but there's a gift of faith. The gift of faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation, right? A supernatural impartation of belief or confidence for a specific situation. You see this two times very clearly in Scripture. In fact, ironically, it's both Gentiles, um, meaning non-Jews, uh, people that were not educated in the Torah or the law uh, or the prophets. And one is a centurion. Luke chapter 7, there's a centurion, and he has a servant who is ill. And Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And he said, you don't have to come heal him. If you'll just speak the word, I believe he'll be well. And Jesus said, I've never seen such great faith, right? In other words, this, this is not normal faith. This is faith that took the breath of the Holy Spirit. This is supernatural. I think faith by nature is supernatural, but this is a next level faith. This is a gift of faith. Uh, the other place you see it is in um, Matthew chapter 15 with a Syrophoenician woman, meaning she's a Gentile. And uh, she has a daughter who's demon-possessed, and she comes to Jesus and says, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus said, well, it's not right to give the children's bread to little dogs, which sounds like Jesus, easy, you know. Um, but what he's saying is, I've been called to the Jews and you're a Gentile. And she says, yes, but even, think about this, she didn't get offended. There's a lot of people that haven't received from God because they get offended. One of the tools of the enemy is offense. It's working in our culture. It's working really well because everybody, I believe, somebody put a meme up one time of Forrest Gump and it said, and all of a sudden everybody got offended about everything. Um, and I see that. Everybody's offended about everything. And, and I'm telling you, when it comes to church, a lot of times the enemy uses offense to keep you from receiving. And think about this. Jesus said it's not good to give the children's bread to, to little dogs. And this lady, instead of getting mad, says, yeah, but a little dog can eat a crumb from under the table. And Jesus said, I have never, he marveled at her faith. And he said, go your daughter as well. I think sometimes the way God tests us before we receive a miracle is he gives us an opportunity to be offended first. I'll just leave that with you. So as a gift of faith, then the gift of healings. This is in super, supernatural endowments of divine health. Uh, Matthew chapter eight, you see this. Jesus, uh, Peter's mother-in-law has a fever. And Jesus rebukes the fever, and she's made well. And it works out great, because then she cooks. <laughs> I don't know if that was Jesus' plan. Like, he's like, I'm hungry, let's heal Peter's mama. You know, I don't, I, our mother-in-law, I, I don't know if that was what he was going for. I'm just saying, you see this, and you see a lot of times in Scripture. In fact, I'm just one of real curious, how many people, you, you either have been healed in your body are really close to someone who was healed. In other words, God did a, a work in their body that brought health to their body. Will you just lift your hand up? I want to hold it up for a second. I want everybody to look around. I just want you to see, because every hand's a testimony that God healed, right? I just want you to think about that. 
Because how, how could we say God doesn't heal? Well, you got to explain all those hands, right? You, you have to explain all those hands. I remember, um, and I don't know if I'd put this under healings or miracles, probably, um, but I remember in my own life, I've seen healing. I've been healed. Um, I remember um, when uh, Luke was, my, Luke is my oldest. He's 20 now. Um, but when he was, I want to say a five, six, seven, right in there, um, I was out of town at a conference and, and back then I was doing missions work, uh, in central and South America. And so back then you'd go to conferences and you'd set a booth up so people could, you'd get to know people, they could see what you do. So I had a, I had a booth there. Um, and I got a call, uh, my kids were staying with my parents and I got a call from my dad, and he said, I, something's wrong with Luke. And I said, well, wh- what do you mean? And uh, he said, he won't get out of bed. Well, it, you know, all the cousins were there, so Karen Jackson were there, and my kids were there. And so it was, you know, it, five grandkids, and they're all, you know, and then they're at my parents' house. So breakfast was basically honey buns with sugar and pancakes with lots of syrup and, uh, and sugar intravenously um, with... <laughs> more sugar. And so, you know, and so, but he won't, he wouldn't move. And he said, he won't move his legs. And uh, I said, really? So I talked with Luke on the phone. He said, yeah, my, you know, he's telling me best he can. My leg really hurts. Well, we started trying to get him to move it and he would scream in excruciating pain if you tried to move it or if he tried to move it, one of his legs. And uh, we're like, I, I don't know. So we called a pediatrician. He said, you better bring him in. And so my dad, because I'm out of town, my dad had to pick him up and get him in the car. And the whole time he's screaming in pain, just screaming. And I can hear him on the phone screaming. They're in the car, he's screaming. And, and so I'm trying to get out of there and I just left all the stuff. And I'm like, I got to go. And so now, you know, I'm moving as fast as I can to try to get back home. And they get to the pediatrician and uh, he evaluates and he said, yeah, I know what this is. He said, it's happened many times. He said, but uh, he said, essentially, his hip has come out of socket. And uh, he said, uh, unfortunately, the only way to put the hip back in socket is surgery. And he said, so we're going to have to schedule a surgery. He said, but I know, he said, I'm 100% certain that's what it's done. I've done this a long time. I've repaired a lot of these. It's just kind of a weird anomaly that happens around this age because they're growing and growth plates and I don't, stuff I don't understand. But he said, his hip's out of socket. That's why he can't move it. That's why it's hurt so bad. He said, so I'm going to send you all down for an x-ray because we need to confirm it. But he said, I'm just telling you that's what it is. And then we'll figure out where we can do surgery. Um, and, uh, so of course we're all praying and, um, they're trying to get him on the x-ray table. He's screaming. And so we're praying. He's screaming. My dad's praying. My mom's praying. Everybody's praying. And and then all of a sudden it gets real calm and they take the x-ray and it comes back and the doctor walks in and he's a Christian man. He walked in and he said, well, I have good news. He said, his hips back in place. And he said, I know it wasn't in place because this is what I do. And he said, and this wasn't medicine. This wasn't a good doctor. This was the great physician. And so, so anyways, they brought him home and it took him a few hours to get, get all limbered up again. By the time I got to him, he was fine. And, and so I'll say that, I'll share that story in healings, and then the next one is working in miracles, which is a divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. Um, 
And, and, and to me, you can see this in scripture. Sometimes there are miracle healings and sometimes there are other miracles like walking on water, you know, feeding 5,000 with a Long John Silver's value meal, um, <laughs> turning water into wine because you don't want the party to end. I mean, there's a lot of miracles in the Bible. Um, but I want you to understand, I want you to see this and I want you to, to hear this because even in our church, we've seen miracles and we've seen healings. Um, and, and I want you to understand that God didn't stop. And that one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he breathes on us because he still wants to do miracles and he wants to do them through us. I want, I want you to hear this. I want you to understand the gift of the Holy Spirit to an individual is the power to do miracles. It's the power to see healings. I'm not saying that I have a gift of healing. No, the Bible makes it very clear. These are all gifts of the Holy Spirit that he works in and through the life of the believer. So no one owns a gift, right? Someone says, well, I have the gift of whatever. No, they don't. The Holy Spirit does. And because of grace, he works through our lives. But I want you to understand, he works through our lives. He works healing through our lives. This, what I want you to understand is the next time you pray for a family member or a friend, why don't you pray believing God could heal through me? Why don't you pray believing God could do a miracle through me? Because that's what God can do. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 says, is that to, he's given to each one the manifestation of the Spirit. Well, what are the manifestations of the Spirit? Well, it is prophecy, but it's also to work miracles. Jesus said, greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father and the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to breathe in you and you'll do miracles too. And I want you to understand it is normal for a follower of Jesus to believe for miracles and for miracles to be worked through their life. It is normal to see miracles. It is normal to be healed and it's normal to pray and see those things. And you don't have to have a title in front of your name to pray and see healing. And you don't have to have a business card or an Instagram account to, to, to see miracles and healings. I want you to understand this. These are manifestations of the Spirit given to each one, not pastors, given to each one to benefit all. And I want you to understand when we close the service and we have a, have, have a team down here that's praying, I believe God does miracles through them. I know God does miracles through them. I have the testimonies. But I want you to understand this is normal church. And we don't have to be scared of these things and we don't have to be intimidated and we, we, we can just receive. Amen. Will you, will you stand with me? And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. And um, I want us to pray. And really, I just want to pray today. I just want to pray that we will receive everything God has for us. And, um, and then if you need prayer today, if you need healing, especially if you need a miracle or you need healing, I want you to actually come get prayer. Remember, I want you to come get what you expect, right? Um, don't leave today if you really have a need today. And, and maybe it's, I mean, it could be an emotional need. And you're like, man, you know, God can heal. He can heal a, a hip. He can also heal depression. And so I want you to come and receive from the Lord. And so I want to bow our heads. And, and I just want us all together to say, God, Lord, we want to receive everything you have.
We believe in the power of God. We believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. And God, we want to receive from you. And God, we want to increase our faith to believe that all of these gifts can operate through us as the Spirit wills. That we just have to have faith and be available and trust you. And God, we can see these powerful, wonderful things that benefit the people around us. And so God, I just pray as a church, we would not only just embrace the person of the Holy Spirit, but but we would embrace the work of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Because God, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, but God, we need to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. And so God, today I pray as we conclude this service, I pray if there are people that need a relationship with Jesus, Lord, I want them to come down and say, I need a relationship with Jesus. But I pray if there are people in this room, God, that need healing or a miracle, God, they need supernatural faith or a word of wisdom or knowledge or prophecy, God, whatever it is that they need. God, today we know it comes by the Spirit. And I pray as they come to, as they come to get prayer, Lord, I just pray our expectation would be, God, that you're going to do more than we can ask or think. God, you're the God that works miracles and you work them through people. You're the God that heals and you still heal through people. God, we want to trust and believe. And I just pray, God, today there will be testimonies of miracles and healings because the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit. And God, you have not changed. And you still give the manifestation of the Spirit for the profit of all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Listen, I yeah, I love you. And uh, God is good. And if you need prayer, please come get prayer. We went long, so hurry and get your kids, okay? Uh, I love you so much. God bless you. <laughs>